Good evening, folks. Merry Christmas to you. My name is Jason Tyrell. I'm one of the elders here at Joy. Good to be celebrating and singing with you. I'm just going to move this a little so I can see all the people there. I'm going to read to us from the book of Matthew, chapter 1. The Bibles that are in front of you, that are in, under the chairs, that would be page 807, Matthew chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that we can gather tonight and celebrate, remember the coming of Jesus to this earth. No fable, no fairy tale, but true. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to know, to consider together uh, this evening uh, the joy of God with us. I pray that you would work in our hearts. I pray, Lord, for those uh, who have come this, this evening, maybe heavy laden. Christmas is not a time of joy for every person. I pray that you would comfort hearts. I pray that you would help us uh, to know your love and care this evening. So vividly displayed in the coming of Jesus. May my words be faithful to your word and may our hearts be ready to receive your word this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. The definition of deism, did you ever hear that word, deism? The definition of deism is the philosophical idea of God as a first cause of the universe who lays down the laws of nature and lets them run like clockwork, indifferent to the fate of the people subject to them. That is a quote and a definition from the author Elizabeth Anderson. Deism, the philosophical idea of God as a first cause of the universe who lays down the laws of nature and lets them run like clockwork, indifferent to the fate of the people subject to them. 
Many in our world believe this to be truth. Or something like that. The idea that everything came from absolutely nothing, that, that's hard to ponder, that nothing could become everything. Uh, and so many live with the functional idea that there probably is a creator, something that came before us, someone that came before us, uh, but this God, whoever it is, after making everything, or at least creating the, the mechanisms by which everything could be made, took its hands off set everything in motion, and took its hands off. That this God is disinterested and uninvolved in the lives of its creation. Maybe there are some in this room this evening who resonate with that. You believe that God is real, but see little evidence that he cares about anything down here. Maybe there are even some here who are saying, I'm a Christian, I I believe in Christ, who are tempted to feel this way at times. Where is he? What can I count on from him? Does he care at all? Does he see what I'm going through or what we are going through? And I want to be abundantly clear before I give you what I think is a wonderful answer, because it's what is true. But right out of the gate this evening, I want to be clear. If what we are proclaiming is true, if there is a God over all, a God who has made us all, he has zero obligation to give his creation any explanation for anything that he does or does not do. If I went to Jeff Bezos, you know, if I gave him a phone call tomorrow and said, you know, I've got a a few problems with the way you're running Amazon. And I'd like to talk to you about them. What do you think he would say to me? Who are you? And then, well, you probably wouldn't even take the call. But let's just say I could even get access to him. He, He would say or think, I couldn't care less as I'm counting my trillions of dollars what this guy has to say. And he's still going to order from Amazon tomorrow. How much more... The created ones trying to tell the creator how he ought to run the show. What he ought to do. Our ideas for the ways things could be done better. But that is what makes Advent such an amazing celebration. Because not only does God not leave us out of his business... Not only does he not show himself to be careless or dispassionate about his creation, in the coming of Jesus, he reveals himself to be a God with us. Far from being uninvolved or unconcerned with the lives of his people, the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. This evening, I simply want to consider for a few minutes the truth of Matthew 1.23. I read the whole passage. If you've been with us the last couple Sundays, we've been in this passage. Uh, but today, tonight, I want to focus on 1.23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. This is a quote from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. 
Jesus, the one who was born to save his people from their sins, is uniquely qualified to do so because he is Emmanuel, God with us. What can we hope for at Christmas time because of Emmanuel? Now, these words were originally uttered to a king. All right, kids. I'm coming at you with a tough trivia question right out of the gate. Do you know the king that these words were spoken to? It's a tough one. I didn't prepare you for this. Who was the first king to hear the words about the, the virgin giving birth and his name was going to be Emmanuel? Harry? Good guess. Incorrect. It starts with an A. Start, go ahead. Call it out. Nope. Ahaz. I heard it. Somebody said it. I think it was one of our older children. Uh, Ahaz. King Ahaz was the king of Judah, and he was facing an impending attack from Syria and, sadly, Israel. And the prophet Isaiah is sent to King Ahaz to warn him, don't seek the help of other nations. Trust in the Lord. Stay still and watch how the Lord is going to deliver you. Spoiler alert. Ahaz did not do this. Isaiah even goes further to Ahaz and says, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Ask, if you don't believe me, I'm coming here and I'm giving you God's advice, just stay still and I will save you. But if you don't believe my word, ask any sign you want to prove that what I'm saying is true and the Lord will do it for you. Ahaz was not a good king. Ahaz said, no, I'm not going to do that. Far be it for me to do anything to test the Lord. Mind you, Ahaz had earlier sacrificed his children to other gods. But he, far be it for me to do anything that would put the Lord to the test. Except for the Lord was saying, go ahead. Ask me for a sign. And so, Isaiah says, let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. Over and over in the Old Testament, the Lord had comforted and strengthened his people with the knowledge that he was with them. He was with Abraham. He was with Isaac. He was with Jacob. He was with Joseph. He was with Moses. He was with the nation of Israel as they left slavery in Egypt. He was with Joshua as Israel entered the promised land. He was with the judges. He was with Samuel. He was with David. He was with the prophets over and over. When they were afraid, when they weren't sure, he would say, Ah, fear not. I am with you. That's their source of strength. That's their source of hope. He was the reason for their victories. He was the source of their power. He was the one doing signs and wonders. He was their comforter and keeper. The Lord's power was at work on their behalf. He was with them by surrounding them with his might and his hand of blessing. When the people looked to him and trusted in him, they prevailed. When he was the one at work, they prevailed. And here is Ahaz instructed, just trust the Lord. That's all you got to do. Don't do anything and he'll save you. He says, nah, sounds like a bad idea. Ask for any sign you want to prove that it's true. Not going to do it. But the Lord still says, 
he will provide a sign for all the people that they all would know that their enemies, God's enemies, would not ultimately prevail. Therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. If time permitted, I would show you how this prophecy continues. And it had fulfillment in the time of Ahaz and the people of Israel, but that God was pointing them to a greater promise, to one in Isaiah 9, upon whom the government would be on his shoulders, right? He would be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. There was one to come who would truly be God with us. God made flesh. And we celebrate this evening because in Jesus, we have the answer to the prophecy made some 700 years before he was born. It's difficult to imagine being Joseph, right? Joseph is in this situation. We've talked about this the last couple of weeks. He hears these words from the angel. Fear not, Joseph. Don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. What she told you is true. This child has been born, is going to be born of the Holy Spirit. That this child is God with us. We have the privilege of hindsight now. And I want to consider for a few moments this evening the ways in which God was with us in the life of Jesus and then consider what hope and comfort we can find from God with us today. I'm struck by the reality that we all come to this gathering at different places in life. Some come filled with joy, expectation, hope, can't wait for tomorrow, so excited, filled with joy, knowing great seasons of blessings and fruitfulness and hope. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. That is wonderful. Some come broken and hurting and maybe even wondering if God is in fact with you. Probably many of us come as some combination of those two. So in what ways did the Lord show himself to be with us, God with us, in the coming of Christ, at the birth of Christ? There's one that's pretty easy. He was literally with them, physically, present among them. God became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became Flesh. He came to his own creation to literally dwell among his own creation. Amazing to think that in John's gospel, he says that he dwelt among his own creation. And what did we do? Did we recognize him and, and hail him as king? Didn't know him. Didn't recognize him. Jesus revealed in the flesh what God is like. This baby would be the human expression of the heart and character of God. No one has ever seen God, John says. The only God who is at the Father's side, He, Jesus, has made Him known. All right, question. Kids, big and little. What character traits of God do we see in Jesus? What things about God do we learn 
in the person of Jesus. You can call it out. What's that? Generous. He's generous. Good. Fine. Kind. What else? Holy. Holy. What else? Loving. Loving. What else? Sacrifices. Merciful. Sacrifices. Go ahead. Keep calling. All of them. Oh. <laughs> That's a good answer. All of them. He, yes, he, it's good, Ian, yeah, you're right. You, you, get, you got the right answer today. Yeah, he has all of the character traits of God in human form. But he, he made him known. He, he manifested the character of God among us. Mighty, loving, gracious, merciful, righteous, holy, just, saving. He humbled himself to come here. He manifested the power of God, healing the sick, raising the dead. God with us, right? He's walking. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's feeding the hungry. He preached and taught with authority. He stood up in the face of those who falsely represented the Lord. He told the people of a kingdom that had come and a kingdom that was still coming. His life showed that God was with his people, and even more amazingly, for his people. Right? John says, God did not send his son into the world. These are the words of Jesus. Do you know the rest of that verse? God did not send his son into the world, what? To condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He didn't send them to come and say, you people have had enough chances. I am so sick of you. He sent his son into the world with a verse before. John 3.17 is John 3.16, which I'm sure some of you know. Because he loved the world. He sent his only son, right? Because he loved the world. Now, to those who hear of, of the work of Christ, of the person and work of Christ, and say, I don't want that to count for me, they will have to answer to the Lord for that. But God, in Christ, showed that he was with and for his people. The baby to be born would live for us the perfect life that we fail to live. We who so easily doubt so easily dismiss, so easily question, so easily rebel against the one who made us. For us, Jesus came to live the perfect life that we do not. He came to be with us, to represent us. Adam did not represent us well. Jesus represented us perfectly. This Jesus would further show how he is with us and for us by dying on a cross. Not for any wrongs that he had committed, though he was falsely accused. He died for our rebellion, for our trespasses, for our sins. Though we are the ones who have violated God's ways, he makes a way for us to be forgiven. His death would pay the penalty for the treason of all who believe. That is the call to us tonight, to see that this, this baby to be born would be the one who would live the perfect life, die a sacrificial death, and we'll get to what comes after that. But that all who believe that his death counts 
on our behalf for the forgiveness of sins, for the hope of eternal life, will be saved. Will be counted righteous with the righteousness of Christ. These are all amazing thoughts as we ponder the baby in Bethlehem. Joseph and Mary could not have the full idea of how glorious the realities of God with us would be. But even beyond these, there is more. This baby who would live the perfect life and die for our sins, he would not be held down by death. He would rise in victory over sin and the grave. He ascended to the right hand of the throne of God. And then, can you believe this? Jesus told his disciples. So, so I think about God with us. Je I, I cut off in the middle of a sentence. That's okay. I'll get back to it. God with us. Like, what could be better than Jesus walking right next to his disciples all the time, right? What could be better? Jesus told his disciples, it's going to be better if I depart from you. How's that possible? You're walking arm in arm with the guy. And he, before he dies, says, it's going to be better that I leave you. How can it be that the people of God can derive more joy, more hope, more blessing by him going away than by him walking right next to us? How's that possible? And that brings us to this moment. What can a gathering that takes place 2,000 years after Jesus left the earth hope for? When we hear of God with us and we gather together and we sing about God with us and we pray about God with us and we talk about God with us, in what ways can we rejoice in God with us tonight? Jesus had been with the disciples and the Lord had been with his people in the Old Testament. But the believer in Christ, the one who looks to Christ in faith, believes in his sacrificial death, his victorious resurrection, the one who believes has experienced the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, being in us. Jesus told his disciples, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The birth, life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus ensures that the Lord will be with those who are his in a way that seems incomprehensible. Consider the benefits of the Holy Spirit's indwelling, brothers and sisters in Christ. We have the assurance that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit assures us that we are children of God. We are adopted into the family of God. Irrevocably adopted into the family of God. Based on what? My worthiness? My effort? Based entirely on His grace. Based entirely on His finished work. He calls us His children because He loves us. 
And he loves us because he loves us. The Lord did this work. We, 2,000 years later, who believe in Jesus, we have Jesus now seated at the right hand of the throne of God, ever living to make intercession for us. You ever think about that? Jesus pleads on our behalf before God. Always. Always standing in the gap for those who believe. We have, brothers and sisters, a hope that goes beyond the grave. How can we rejoice in God with us tonight? We have a hope that goes beyond the grave. We understand that we are not fully home. Therefore, we do not have to be a people who live in fear. Fear that we're going to miss out. Fear that if this next year doesn't go better than this past year, we're doomed. We're not doomed. We can live as kingdom people in the midst of the kingdom of the world. And if it should be that we succeed and thrive, we do so as a city on a hill, proclaiming the work of our great king. And if it should be that we become the refuse of society, scorned and hated, we do so also for the glory of our King, knowing that we have not missed out on a single ounce of everlasting joy. I would encourage you, I'm not going to read this. I thought about reading this tonight. John Milton, uh, you know John Milton, you ever hear that guy? He wrote Paradise Lost. He wrote a poem called Ode on the Morning of Christ's Nativity. It is a very challenging read, which is why I'm not going to read it up here, because you probably would just laugh at me. But there, there's a couple stanzas where it talks about this baby laying in the manger and all the gods of the world being trotted out in front of this baby and him destroying every single one of them by his coming. And that's the reality for us. The kingdom of Christ will prevail. It is prevailing in the hearts of people. It is growing in this world. And he will have the victory. The enemy cannot win. And Christ cannot lose. And we cannot lose who are in Christ because he is with us. God is with us and in us, and he gives us the power, brothers and sisters, to fight sin, the power to be transformed as we behold his glory, but the reality that it must be the Lord who acts, the indwelling sin that we still fight, the flesh against the spirit keeps us, or ought to, keep us as humble people who do not believe that what we have, we have earned. But everything we have is grace. Everything we have is a gift. And therefore, we are eager to share with others about the grace that we have received and are receiving. God with us and in us can provide great comfort in the midst of turmoil and pain. Some in this room have known great sadness this year. Great uncertainty. 
maybe at times great hopelessness. But the one who did not spare his son, but gave him for us all, the one who sent the Holy Spirit to indwell his children, the one who is God with us, that same one is the God of all comfort. And he tells us that not a tear that we shed will be wasted or pointless. Cancer is not pointless. Parkinson's is not pointless. MS is not pointless. Crohn's is not pointless. Alzheimer's is not pointless. The death or other loss of a loved one is not pointless. COVID is not pointless. Famine and homelessness are not pointless. Nor is God absent in any of them. He is with us. Even when we don't feel it, He is with us. He is with His children. He is for His children. And none of it will be wasted. The glories and joys to come will be all the sweeter for the pains of this life. And when we are in pain, He's with us still. Even when we don't feel it, He is with us still. And therefore, even when saddened by the burdens of a life in a cursed world, we can receive comfort and we can even, by His grace, have joy. Because He is with us. And he is ultimately for us. And one day, everything is going to make sense. I'm about to close up. I could stay there for a while, but I'm going to move on. One of the ways the Lord comforts us, encourages us, and strengthens us, and causes us to endure in all seasons. How do we feel the, the presence of God with us? It is through that word, us. He is the God of all comfort, and he uses us to comfort us. Not just God with me. It's not me and God. Me and God and my thing. It is God with us. Us, the body of Christ, his people, collectively. When Peter asked Jesus, and Jesus is talking about you know, people who give up everything to follow him. And Peter, being Peter, immediately is like, hey, we've left everything to follow you. What are we going to get? What does Jesus say to him? I love these verses. Mark, I'm going to read Mark's version. Mark chapter 10, verse 29 to 31. Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one 
who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. In this life a hundredfold. How? Through us. Through the body of Christ. How blessed I am. I'll just speak from a personal side and my family. To have many brothers and sisters, many who care for our family, many who comfort, many who encourage, many who lift me up when I fall, Love me enough to say you need to take some time off. We are called to be that for one another as an expression of God with us. I'm sure you want to get to singing and lighting candles. As Jesus was about to leave the earth after his resurrection. What are his last recorded words to the disciples in the book of Matthew? Very last sentence. Do you know it? Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Revelation 21. Some of the last words in the Bible. Verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Tonight we celebrate God with us. God for us. Now and forever. He is with us. Let us rejoice. Would you pray with me? I pray, Father, that if there are some here this evening who maybe have never considered the person and work of Christ, or who have been resistant to trusting in Christ, I pray, Lord, that we would see the depth of our need and the fact that you gave your Son that we might have the hope of eternal life. That today would be the day of faith. Father, for those who are believers in Christ in this room, may we know the great hope the great comfort and the great joy of God with us. Thank you, Father, that you did not spare your son, but you gave him for us all. And because of that, we know that you will not withhold any good thing from your children. And that every bit of struggle and pain will make the enjoyment of you all the sweeter. And we thank you for this hope. In Jesus' name, amen.